Back again on the Anthony On Air podcast. On this episode, we fully recap for you day six of the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, including Kate's testimony. We have her family complaining once again, reaching out to Attorney General Merrick Garland. And the one thing that everybody's going to be talking about after this episode is over the missing hard drives. When I heard the testimony today from the FBI on the hard drives taken from Jeffrey Epstein's home and what was said, jaw open, completely shocked, conspiracy theories, just how could you not have them? You will be shocked as well once we get to part three of this uh, day six Ghislaine Maxwell trial recap episode. Uh, we usually do a full regular episode on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. This will only be a Ghislaine Maxwell trial recap because of how shocking part three of this episode is going to be. I just thought this needs its own thing. We'll be back with Frankie C and Jay Sabs, of course, later on this week. So if you're into the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, if you can't find the information anywhere else or you don't trust it from anywhere else, make sure you're subscribed. We're on Facebook and YouTube. Make sure you're hitting the bell to get notifications for when we go live and drop a new episode. Of course, you could always listen to the show as well on any of the podcast networks, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. So here's Kate's testimony. Uh, Kate is a, another woman uh, who's going to be testifying here under a pseudonym. Uh, Kate, obviously not her real name. Uh, what's interesting about Kate's testimony from today, and we're going to get into everything that she said, but uh, before the jury was brought in, there was uh, some pretrial proceedings uh, between the defense and the prosecution and Judge Allison Nathan, and they came to the conclusion that Kate was going to be referred to as a witness and not a victim. And the reason why that is is because uh, at the time of Kate's contact with Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell, she was of legal age. She was around, uh, or she was, I should say, I shouldn't say around. She was 17 years old, uh, which is interesting because we don't hear a lot from of age accusers in this uh, trial. The reason why she's not being considered an accuser or a victim uh, is because the charges in this trial have to do with underage trafficking. So since she doesn't fall into the, you know, what uh, Ghislaine was indicted for in this particular case, she wasn't referred to as a uh, victim. Technicality, uh, maybe a minor thing you might consider, but I like stuff like that. I find it to be interesting. I actually don't view it as a bad, um, I don't view it as a bad thing for the prosecution here. Because I feel like it shows that this guy was an animal and he knew no bounds of age, underage, you know, old, young, didn't even matter. You know, he was, uh, you know, he was a, a, a horrific predator. And uh, again, his uh, behavior knew no bounds. So I don't think, you know, you might sit there if you're rooting for this uh, Glenn Maxwell to rot in prison for the rest of her life going, yeah. I don't know, not underage. I don't think it matters. You know, and I, like I said, I think it's actually better in this particular case. Uh, so Kate uh, testified today uh, about how she uh, met Epstein, about how she met Ghislaine Maxwell. This is the second of four accusers expected to appear on the witness stand. 
Uh, she uh, told jurors that Maxwell played a direct role in arranging her encounters with Epstein. Uh, she ushered her into massage rooms. They coordinated international travel. Uh, and in one particular instance, she gave her an outfit to wear, which was uh, of significance. And we'll, we'll dive into that as well. Uh, Kay told us that she met Maxwell in 1994 in Paris. Uh, she found Miss Maxwell to be, quote, very sophisticated and very elegant. She gave Maxwell her phone number. And when they were both back in London, Maxwell called her and invited her for tea at her residence. She seemed to be everything that I wanted to be, is what Kate testified to today. At the time, Kate was caring for her ailing mother, and she was excited to have a new friend in her life, uh, who it also seemed that, uh, you know, turned out to be interested in her. You know, again, we talk about all the stages of how people are groomed for these things and, you know, trying to make them feel good, trying to make them feel special. And that's what uh, Maxwell was seen doing here early on in this relationship together. Uh, Maxwell said early on that she hoped to introduce Kate to her boyfriend, a philanthropist who liked to help younger, pe younger people. Uh, weeks later, Maxwell invited Kate to her home where Epstein was sitting in the living room in sweatpants. Kate testified to the jury. She urged Kate to give Mr. Epstein's foot a little squeeze to show him how strong she was. Mr. Epstein said, and I quote, oh, you can go ahead and do my shoulders. So is this, um, you know, this line of questioning was, you know, basically she was saying how strong she was and blah, blah, blah. So when they introduced them, when uh, Maxwell introduced Kate to Epstein, she said, yeah, no, she's really strong. Why don't you squeeze his feet to show him how strong you are? And I feel like we could cross this bridge all the time in these particular instances where it's like, you know, they try and desensitize, you know, victims to uh, sexual behavior. And I think in this particular instance, odd behavior, you know, uh, you may not think of a uh, foot being a sexual thing. Uh, it is for some who have that sort of a fetish, uh, but it's an odd request. You know, like usually, you know, you, you, when you do like you ever play this game with kids, you, you shake a kid's hand and go squeeze my hand. They squeeze your hand. You go, oh, ouch. Oh, I got, you know, just show you when it's always like the hand to show how strong somebody is or the arm or whatever to ask him to squeeze the foot. Is one of those odd, little, weird, quirky things. And again, I feel like it is, you know, when you say, oh, squeeze his foot. It's strange. It's also desensitizing. You're asking her to touch a part of him that, again, outside of the hand or the arm, wouldn't normally be uh, an area you would touch on somebody that you were just meeting. So, again, people may not think that that's a big deal. In my mind, I feel like it is. It's a little bizarre of a request. So she squeezes his foot. He says, oh, you can go ahead and do my shoulders. Um, soon after that, Miss Maxwell called Kate with an urgent request. Uh, Kate recalled saying to the uh, jury, Mr. Epstein was there uh, and his masseuse had canceled. And the request from Maxwell is, would she be able to fill in? Kate went to Miss Maxwell's home where Epstein was waiting in a dimly lit room. He initiated sexual contact with Kate and they engaged in a sexual act during the massage. Uh, what's interesting here is because of the nature of her age and what was going on pre-trial, they decided that they would not ask 
what exactly Epstein and her did. So you'll hear me say things like an act or this and that. There was touching. They didn't get specific, and that was, you know, basically on the orders of Judge Allison Nathan. Not that you really need to. Um, but again, uh, this was all uh, part of the, um, the pretrial uh, conclusion that they all came to. Um, and again, she wasn't underaged at the time. Now, that is important from a legal standpoint, from a technicality standpoint, not from a is Epstein a piece of shit standpoint. He still is that very, very much so. Uh, Kate said she continued to see Epstein and Maxwell several times a year. She stayed in touch with Miss Maxwell on the phone. She said that Miss Maxwell often raised uh, topics of a sexual nature. And she also mentioned how demanding Jeffrey Epstein could be. Uh, once Miss Maxwell asked if she knew anyone that could come over to perform a sex act on Mr. Epstein because it was, quote, a lot for her to do. Uh, Ghislaine also told her that Mr. Epstein liked cute, young, pretty girls like Kate and that they needed to have sex about three times a day. Uh, again, also patterns, things of interest. You go from these innocent things. You go from a one-time uh, encounter, and then you're right away, you know, they go from, can you come over? There was a masseuse. There's innocence. There's... Uh, you know, there's, um, you know, oh, it just so happens to be happenstance. There's, you know, all this like beating around the bush. And then it just kind of you're in the room and it happens to calling her up and directly asking her after a while, like, can you find somebody, you know? Um, and again, we talked about this a lot pre-trial. The recruiting, uh, the recruit E turned into the recruiter. This is uh, something that has been alleged a lot in the history of talking about Epstein is that, you know, not only was he doing this to girls, but then he was turning those girls into recruiters so that they can continue on the process. Uh, very, very disturbing behavior. I want to continue with Kate's testimony. And again, when we get to the missing hard drives, it is going to be a huge part of the podcast, but I got to give kudos to the uh, podcast sponsor. They help us pay the bills they keep us in a position where we can keep giving you guys the information that we're giving you. And that's our good pals over at Jumpstart Coffee Company. One of the many reasons why I love Jumpstart Coffee Company is not only because it's great coffee, they also support a great cause, the Navy SEAL Foundation. So as our Navy SEALs fight for our freedoms and return back to normal life, they need help. They're in situations where they could use a little extra help all around. The Navy SEAL Foundation provides that. And Jumpstart Coffee Company takes 50% of their profits and gives it to the Navy SEAL Foundation. Their profits. I mean, could you imagine if uh, companies in the world would give half of what they made to incredible causes like the Navy SEAL Foundation? Incredible causes to help people who help keep us all free. We'd be living in a much better place. Not every company is like Jumpstart Coffee Company. That's why I want you to support them. If you're enjoying the podcast and these Glenn Maxwell updates and the trial coverage that we're doing, pick up a bag or two. They make a great holiday gift, whether you're doing Secret Santa. Uh, we just wrapped up Hanukkah, so the Han hey, belated Hanukkah gifts. Uh, but you know what I love about it, too? People are always looking for gifts for their coworkers. 
like I said, Secret Santa, or if you're a small business owner, grab a couple of these, you know, uh, and you can uh, throw it around to the whole company. You got 20 employees, 30, 40, 50 employees. They're all going to be better and more productive in your company if they're making that Jumpstart coffee at home before they hop into work. Save 15% when you use the promo code AOA15, only if you order with the link in the description of this episode. Click the link in the description, or you can click the Jumpstart Coffee Company banner over at anthonyonair.com. That's our website, anthonyonair.com. Appreciate everybody for supporting the podcast by purchasing some hero uh, for some uh, Jumpstart Coffee Company, supporting our heroes, the Navy SEAL Foundation. They just do some extraordinary work. I didn't mention that it is amazing coffee. I mean, amazing coffee. I'm holding up the uh, dark roast blend here. I also love the medium roast. They have an espresso blend. They have a decaf blend if that's your thing. So again, click the link in the description below. Show some support for us here as uh, we recap the Glade Maxwell trial. All right, day six testimony with Kate continuing. Um, they talked about this um, outfit. Uh, Kate said that she gave Epstein sexualized massages in London, Palm Beach, and New York and on his island in the U.S. Virgin Islands, saying she traveled on commercial flights with tickets arranged for her by Miss Maxwell. She said her contact ended when she was in her early 30s. One time she was staying at Epstein's Palm Beach home, she found what she described as a schoolgirl outfit laid out for her in the guest room bed. When she asked Miss Maxwell what it was for, Miss Maxwell said, I thought it would be fun for you to take Jeffrey uh, his tea in this outfit. Kate put the outfit on. Miss Maxwell gave her a tray. She found Epstein by the pool. He initiated a sex act with her. She admitted to the jury. Uh, Prosecutor Laura Pomerantz asked Kate why she had put the outfit on, and her response was, I didn't know how to say no. I had never been able to, I've never been to the Palm Beach or Florida home before. I had no idea where the house was, and I wasn't sure if I said no, I would have to leave or what the consequence would be for not doing it. Um, Again, and this is why I said her age doesn't really particularly matter in this instance, because the rest of what happened between Kate and Maxwell and Epstein fits the profile. Traveling around, the trafficking, New York, Palm Beach, the island. You know, again, all a pattern. And what's important in particular for this case, again, they're not trying to prove that, uh, prove that Jeffrey Epstein was a piece of garbage. They're trying to prove that Ghislaine Maxwell and her presence and her behavior created this environment for him to take advantage of these girls if she didn't do so directly herself. So that's why this is all particularly important. Uh, they did take a break for lunch. Cross-examination did continue. And, uh, you know, again, what's tough about this is, you know, you give it all to the one side here. And if you're, again, we want Maxwell to wind up paying for this behind bars, you're feeling pretty good. Then cross-examination comes and, you know, some of these witnesses have been taking some beatings. They have been getting some holes in their stories. Um, again, the defense is doing their job. You know, they're trying to, you know, undercut, undermine, you know, make it look like these witnesses are incredible and they're doing okay. I don't know if they're doing good enough of a job to get Maxwell off. It's going to depend on the jury but they concentrated a lot on drug and alcohol abuse uh, that Kate openly admitted to. Um, 
again, credibility, credibility, credibility. That's what all the defense is going after. Uh, they asked Kate about her history with drug and alcohol abuse. She admitted to having one. They asked her about it affecting her memory. Uh, Kate uh, said that... Um, I'm sorry here. I'm just kind of going through my notes. Uh, Bobby Sternheim uh, uh, examined, uh, cross-examined Kate, portraying her as an international model who had been eager to spend time with Miss Maxwell and Mr. Epstein. She kept in touch with them for years. Uh, Miss Sternheim brought up previous statements in which Kate was said to have asserted that she was fiercely ambitious and spent 90% of her time thinking about her next move. She also referred to, uh, in questions to Kate having received more than $3 million from a fund set up to compensate victims of Mr. Epstein. She also suggests, I think she had more than that too. They were kind of going back and forth on what the number was. It was anywhere from two and a half to three and a half million dollars. So three to average it out, whatever it is, it was a significant uh, sum of money. Not sure what went to her, her lawyers and her legal fees. They had to be paid out of that as well. Um, but uh, she did once again, uh, the same way they did with Jane, paint a picture of, well, this person took money. And again, well, she was a model. And you know Epstein ran with Wexner and it was talking about being a modeling. And Kate didn't bring up much of that. I mean, she wasn't really asked much of that, but again, fits a pattern, you know. Um, even though they didn't talk about modeling per se, uh, Kate really did bring up the fact in her testimony, I, I, I probably didn't mention it too much, but she did bring up the fact that um, they both knew Prince Andrew. Uh, Donald Trump's name was brought up again. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm su not surprised, but I, I do find it interesting. Again, you know, we've been talking about this case for a really long time. Donald Trump's name has come up uh, a bunch before. Again, not as many as Bill Clinton and all the trips that he took on the plane, which we're well aware of. Um, but Donald Trump had been mentioned sparingly. Donald Trump had been mentioned as knowing Epstein. Um, there's that video of Epstein and Trump talking at Mar-a-Lago where they're looking at people who are dancing and they're talking and laughing with each other. Um, but what keeps coming up in this particular case is how many, how many times Epstein Maxwell brought up the fact that they knew Donald Trump. And it'd be, it's like one of their bragging points. That I find interesting. I don't know if it's, I don't know what the reasoning is. My only guess is, again, during this time in the early, you know, 2000s, uh, 2010s, he's maybe one of the bigger names that they know that people would know. Like, obviously, there's they, they flew in a lot of circles. Um, you know, they knew a lot of people. There was a lot of famous people. But Trump, in this time period is really sorting to starting to go from a popular New York socialite to, you know, um, hosting, uh, you know, The Apprentice and getting into all those. You know, he kind of takes another step. So it kind of feels like he's a popular person that everybody would know. And that's why Epstein and all them keep bringing up the fact of, like, oh, what, we know these people or these people are going to call. You know, Jane brought up Trump. Now Kate's bringing up Trump. I just find that particularly interesting because, again, the fact that Trump's name keeps coming up and they were quite uh, friendly with a former president of the United States, and that's not coming up as often in this particular instance. 
I just find it interesting. You know, again, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean Trump did whatever or Clinton did whatever. I just find it interesting on, you know, when you're asking these witnesses who Epstein and Maxwell are bragging about knowing it's Donald Trump's name that keeps coming up. Even though, you know, full, um, full disclosure, I'm not hiding anything, but uh, Jane did mention Bill Clinton. Kate did not. Um, so anyway, um, uh, Bobby Sternheim also suggested that Kate was hoping for help from the U.S. government in obtaining a visa that would allow her to live in the United States. Uh, Kate denied that she was seeking what is known as a U visa, something set aside for victims of certain crimes and types of, of abuse who are helpful to law enforcement or government officials in its investigations or prosecutions. But after reviewing documents shown to her by Ms. Sternheim, Kate acknowledged that at one point she had thought it would be in her interest to try and obtain such a visa. While being questioned by a prosecutor, Kate said that she had in the past abused alcohol, cocaine, sleeping pills, but added that she had quit because she was afraid she might die if she did not. Sternheim referred to that testimony and asked, fair to say using and abusing those substances for over a 10-year period has impacted your memory. Kate replied with regard to the memory she had testified to on the stand and said, I was always sober. Um, so again, you know, uh, are you out for money? Were you just trying to do this uh, for, uh, you know, a visa? Uh, you know, do you, you have 10 years of drug abuse? Do you, can you even remember any of these things? You know, and again, even though she says uh, those are all sober moments, you know, you just got to plant these thoughts in the jury's mind. Um, so that was uh, Kate's testimony there. Um, you know, I, I and the thing is, because they talked about the fact that, too, that she was a model. Uh, they also, you know, Bobby at one point, uh, or Miss Sternheim, I should say, asked her, you know, well, were you mentioned in a book by one of your former managers? And she said, yes. She asked her about testifying anonymously in this case, but yet giving you're okay to be put in a book. She said, I, you know, I was one, I was one sentence in this book. Um, she also asked her if she ever appeared on a billboard. Um, and uh, she said she was at one billboard, you know, as a model, she signed with this company. They put her on a billboard. The company was like out of business the following week or whatever it was. Um, so I found that to be pretty interesting. Again, the defense positioning this as, well, you were trying to be famous. You were clearly going on in a circle of people who had a lot of connections. Uh, you were trying to get a visa. You know, you're trying to be a model. You were a model. You're mentioned in a book. You're on a billboard. Now you're here and you're testifying anonymously. Um, Kate's response to that basically was, I have a daughter and I don't want her to be dragged into this. I thought it was a respectable and well put response from Kate. Uh, although, again, I don't know if it's too little too late if the defense kind of got across what they were trying to get across. Remember, it's the defense, right? Like, they're just trying to do whatever they can. You're sitting there next to Maxwell. There's all this, you know, accusations, evidence, talk, all this stuff. You're not going to win anything outright. You just got to do enough to kind of put a little bit of doubt in a few jurors' heads to get her, you know, to get her off the case. Um, it's a different ball game with the defense. That's all they're trying to do. They're not, 
they're not trying to hit home runs. They're trying to bunt singles enough to get, you know, to, they're, they're sacrifice flies. You know what I'm saying? They're just trying to get people in. Um, that's kind of the defense's uh, thing. Uh, quickly here, they did call a J.P. Morgan Chase uh, executive director to testify to uh, a couple of things uh, involving money. Uh, I didn't know that Ghislaine had a helicopter, but um, this executive took the stand and uh, testified and described how money from Jeffrey Epstein went to an entity called Air Ghislaine, which it used to buy a helicopter. This was Patrick McHugh, uh, the bank director, who explained several documents that were introduced into evidence and showed how millions of dollars had moved through accounts connected to Epstein and Maxwell. One of the more unusual transfers involved the purchase of a green Sarkovsky helicopter. On June 15, 2007, Mr. McHugh said documents showed an account tied to Mr. Epstein transferred $7.4 million to one tied to Ms. Maxwell. A few days later, on June 18, just three days later, the same amount of money went from the account tied to Ms. Maxwell to one in the name of Eric Lane. Later that day, $7.3 million went from that account to Sikorsky. Mr. McHugh did not say what exactly Air Ghislaine was, nor did he address what the helicopter might have been used for. But Epstein was known to have a private aircraft, not just one plane, but many. Uh, Larry Vizowski, who testified that he worked for Epstein, uh, said that he bought his first helicopter around 2000. Uh, soon afterwards, Ms. Maxwell went to school in Pompano Beach to become a helicopter pilot, uh, training for eight months to a year. That helicopter was used mainly to travel between two Caribbean islands, St. Thomas and Little St. James, without taking a boat. Mr. Vizowski said Ms. Maxwell sometimes flew the helicopter with him. Asked how many times Ms. Maxwell had taken controls, uh, had taken the controls to Mr. Vizowski, said it was difficult to know. Many times it would be hard to put a number on it. In her opening statement on one of Ms. Maxwell's defense lawyers listed her ability to fly a helicopter among the things that made her, quote, exceptional, end quote. Um, I find this interesting. And again, skeptical as I may be, you know, if you're doing these horrible things on this island and the pilot or somebody driving the boat is taking you there, you, you're creating a witness. You know, if you don't need that pilot, one less witness, right? So that's kind of, or we can go into the assumption that Maxwell just wanted to better herself and learn how to fly which I highly doubt. Uh, Miss Maxwell's family did speak. So again, there's some money transfer. Uh, he also testified to large sums of money uh, being moved over to Glenn Maxwell, tens of millions of dollars being moved into her account in addition to the $7.4 million, which I do find is interesting because there was a report months ago that the most money uh, Epstein ever really gave her was around 100000 a year. So these documents would basically prove that that was rather incorrect. Uh, I remember talking with Frank and Janine about that on a previous episode and just being blown away by the fact that this guy just only gave her a few hundred thousand dollars. Uh, anyway, Ghislaine's family is back at it again. Uh, they're complaining about the situation with Ghislaine. They wrote Attorney General Merrick Garland requesting that authorities stop using four-point restraints to shackle her hands waist and feet when she is moved from a holding cell to the courtroom and that she receive a food pack and a bar of soap each day. 
Family also asked that she be allowed to meet with her attorneys for at least 30 minutes before and after each of the day's proceedings. Uh, they're saying the restraints are causing bruises, broken skin, and other unnecessary trauma. Um, they also complained that she received minimal sustenance during the first week of her trial, had no access to soap or hand sanitizer despite the risk of COVID-19, and was only allowed to confer with her attorneys in areas where they were likely to be heard by prosecutors. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Again, we talked about this all pre-trial, the fact that the family has been trying to get her off on bail. Now they're just trying to get her more time with the lawyers and food and this and that. I find a hard time that she's not being provided food. I'm sure she is. As far as the shackles go, tough. If that's what the uh, facility that where she's being detained determines her to need, that's what she's going to have. Somebody brought up in the comments, like, why isn't she showing up in a jumpsuit? They do allow her to wear regular clothes. You know, she she is she has been showing up every day in regular attire. Again, we talked about the fact that the first day that she had to crawl into the van with the shackles on and all this other stuff to get into the thing, to get to court and all that. We don't hear about that too much now. It's the skin bruising, but she was she had gray hair. She had her eyes look like crap. And all of a sudden, first day that the jury was going to be in the room. Her hair's dyed, you know, she looks far better, you know, all this jazz. I think it's a, a big show, a lot to do about nothing. The family just trying to, you know, uh, uh, garner sympathy for her, uh, so on and so forth. Um, okay, before we get to this absolute bombshell of the hard drives, I am uh, wearing a podcast shirt. This is one of our uh, many shirts that we have on the pod that you can grab over at shopanthonyonair.com. Uh, if coffee's not your thing, again, love you to grab some Jumpstart Coffee Company. If that ain't your thing, of course, you can grab some uh, merch over at the shopanthonyonair.com store right now. We just wrapped up our Cyber Week uh, savings, uh, the highest sales week we've ever had. So thanks to everybody who purchased some items to support the podcast again. Um, we might do another sale just before Christmas. We'll see how that goes. But uh, anything you purchase at the store goes to help fund the podcast, of course. And you get some cool swag off of it. We got some mugs and, you know, we've got some other T-shirts. There's a silhouette shirt, Frankie C, Jay Sabs himself. Uh, you know, uh, we got Jay Sabs uh, and a lot of people's catchphrases. That's what she said in merch. This we brought back to the store by popular demand right there. You can see it's got our logo on the back. Really nice, soft, wonderful quality stuff. Again, if you're appreciating the content, the podcast, the videos, uh, pop over to the store, grab a hoodie, grab a hat, you know, grab a mug. We've got these awesome steel tumblers. They're great for traveling uh, with some coffee. Jumpstart again would be great for that. Uh, you can purchase right now at shopanthonyonair.com. So uh, last week, during week one, we were talking about, you know, as witnesses were coming up and things were being talked about, you know, Alessi, the house guy was called. We started talking about, you know, what, where did all those hard drives go? You know, um, in New York, we, we saw like, oh, there was uh, like a, a whole, uh, you know, computer room, surveillance room, video cameras and everything else. Those were getting, you know, dragged off by the FBI. We talked about that. Whatever happened to that? We, you know, we said and we wondered um, in one, I mean, Alessi's testimony last week, he talked about the fact that 
the police raided the house in Palm Beach, and um, we brought up the fact that there were computers, uh, you know, sitting in this room, like monitors with the towers missing. So today, and, you know, again, not to say that Kate's testimony is not a big deal, because it is, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to be talking about and discussing Kate's testimony, and, and that's fine, and that's great. But in addition to Kate's testimony, uh, one of the other witnesses to take the stand was uh, an FBI agent. And this FBI agent, Kelly McGuire, she's an FBI special agent. She is, uh, she was in charge of the Epstein raid on his Manhattan home in July of 2019. She said some insanely interesting things. One of which, again, we'll go into fully. When they confiscated hard drives from his Manhattan residence, they were already labeled as evidence by the FBI. Picture this. FBI goes in and raids this house. They find a bunch of hard drives. They go to collect said hard drives. There's more to this part that you're going to be really shocked and pissed off about. And they go and look at it, and there's already police tape and evidence tape on these items. I mean, what kind of... You talk about conspiracy theories. What kind of sick and twisted stuff went on here? You know? And you have, by all accounts, some wonderful people in the FBI like this Kelly Maguire, you know, when you hear her talk about, you know, what they tried to do and what she, you know, tried to get done. You know, again, I think back to some of the people down at Palm Beach, uh, the uh, police chief at Palm Beach kept the Epstein investigation as secret as he possibly could because he knew, he knew how powerful Epstein was and the powerful people and how they would try and help him. So he went on in secret doing this investigation for months and months and months, so that when it came time to spring into action, they would have everything and hopefully catch this guy by surprise, give everything over as much as he could to the media. Julie K. Brown, shout out, Miami Herald, way to go early on, investigation, still doing great investigative work, um, so that the influence, the high society, couldn't keep this quiet. But when I go into the details of... Uh, of Kelly's uh, testimony here, Ms. McGuire's testimony, you're going to be shocked. You're going to absolutely be shocked by some of these things that I'm about to share with you. Um, McGuire, FBI special agent, leader of the team that searched Epstein's home July 6th and 7th, testified today about what the team found when they executed on that search warrant. The search was conducted as part of a warrant executed a few days before at Epstein's uh, arrest on sex trafficking charges. McGuire said her team forced their way into the building after no one answered when they rang the bell. This is the Manhattan home. Federal prosecutors previously alluded to the contents of the safe that was found in the home. The agents said that they used a saw to unlock the safe that they discovered in his home. Inside that safe, they found hard drives, CDs, diamonds, passports, all belonging to Epstein. 
Um, federal prosecutors previously alluded to the contents of the safe in 2019 when they sought to have a judge deny Epstein's bail application later that month. Remember, that was the story. He has multiple passports. You can't let him go out on bail. They said agents found $70,000 in cash, 48 loose diamonds, other sorts of jewelry, and a passport from a foreign country with a picture of Epstein under a separate name. I mean, you could all see the playbook there, right? 70 grand in cash and a bunch of diamonds that he has to sell if he's on the run, so on and so forth. Um, this is the first time the Justice Department officials mention hard drives in the safe. It's also the first time officials have described the inside of Epstein's eight-story, 19,000-square-foot home, uh, discussed the CDs filled with photos elsewhere in the building. Prosecutors say uh, that, obviously, in this home, Maxwell, Epstein, horrible things, traffic girls, this home, London, Virgin Islands, so on and so forth. McGuire, who is a member of the FBI Child Exploitation and Human Trafficking Task Force, testified today that her team found the safe in a dressing room on the building's fifth floor. The mansion had 40 rooms. We don't know this information until today. 40 rooms, and it took her team 12 full hours to fully search. Here's where things get interesting. Prosecution asked, you find the safe. How'd you get in? Kelly McGuire says, we brought a saw. No worries. We see the safe. We bring a saw. Had a saw on hand. Prosecutors showed jurors and members of the public uh, a photo of the safe dragged by FBI agents to the middle of the dressing room. The hard drives, McGuire said, were found inside. So they cut this safe open. Pull out the hard drives, the jewelry, the diamonds, the CDs, multiple passports. McGuire said the scope of the search warrant didn't permit the agents to seize the hard drives and the CDs. They had a, they could search the premises. They could see what they find. For whatever ungodly reason, they stopped just short of taking the hard drives and the CDs with them because the search warrant didn't allow for it. So they take the items and they put them on top of the safe. They realize if we take these now, we don't have a warrant for them, not good. It'll be inadmissible. So we can't take them, leave them here. They go to get a broader warrant so that they can return and retrieve the items. When they come back, everything is gone. I'll let that sit there for a little while. I'll let that sit there. They come back. Here's CDs, obviously with data. This wasn't the best of Barry Badalow on these CDs, okay? They're obviously they're CDRs, right? They got data on them. Uh, they come back, CDs, hard drives, everything gone. Gone. Where could they go? Aunt, do we know where they went? Yes, we do. I know where they went. But just think about this. And I'm not slamming Kelly here because I feel like Kelly McGuire, member of the FBI exploitation, I, I would, I'm going to assume and believe that she was a good person. And she is a good person. 
That's what I'm going under the assumption. Is there shenanigans going on here by authorities, people of our Department of Justice, government, FBI, whatever you want to call it? I can't help but think there's not. But I don't want to point fingers at this Kelly McGuire because, again, she showed up and she testified and she did something very smart. Don't take that stuff if you don't have a warrant to cover your rear end because, again, that stuff will be inadmissible. And then you, there you could have the keys to the castle of putting all these people away and blow it by some stupid little technicality like that. So I give Kelly credit there. She stopped where she was supposed to. Where I don't completely love is why wasn't somebody left behind to watch that stuff? Why? If you find, now, now again, picture this. Be realistic here. It's 40 rooms in this thing. She says it took them 12 hours. She says in the back of some closet on the fifth floor in some dressing room, they finally find this safe. I'm assuming it was towards the end of the day. Why wouldn't they? And again, they cut it open. They have the right to do that. Now they find other stuff. Now they got to get more information. You don't leave an agent there. You don't leave somebody there. You don't continue searching the home. Have somebody go and get the warrant to find out what's on this and from on these drives. You leave them there. The evidence, you leave them there. It doesn't seem all that smart. So they go back to the house. Where is this? Stuff's gone. McGuire calls up Richard Kahn, one of Epstein's attorneys, informs him that she has a warrant for the hard drives and the CDs. Tells him the hard drives and the CDs aren't on top of the safe anymore. Mr. Kahn, where are they? Khan says, hold on, I'll get back to you. Khan shows up at her office minutes later with two suitcases carrying the items. McGuire said the members of her team checked to ensure that they were the same hard drives and CDs that they found during the first search warrant execution. They were. But still. You left these things. I don't now. I don't know exactly how long this is, but how long do you need with this information? How long do you need to take some things off of a of a hard drive? Not too long. You know what I mean? Not too long. I don't know how well Kelly, you know, uh, indexed all these things. I mean, it looks like she got most of what she wanted back. Uh, but it seems like could there have been one really important CD missing? I mean, this seems like vital, vital information to just let go. You know what I'm saying? Like, just think about the series of events. Oh, we found some hard drives and CDs. We couldn't take them, so we left them there. And we went back, they were gone. But don't worry, because Epstein's lawyer happily brought them back to us after several hours of them being completely out of our sight. What? What? I got more. I got a lot more. The last thing I say before I leave you is going to make you happy. I know that's to be. I know this to be true. Uh, so several photos that were inside Epstein's home, including uh, pictures of a marbled floor entrance hall with large dark wooden staircase and a 
gilded fireplace, a room with a massage table, a hideous yellow-blue pattern wallpaper, and dark pink curtains. Um, closet in the uh, closets, uh, several uh, several photos of the house. Um, pictures of binders that there were photo photo binders. They were submitted as evidence. Some of it was blacked out though today. Uh, because Judge Allison Nathan ruled that identifying information on for third parties was on these um, was on these uh, binders. On the first floor, agents also found a plastic bin tucked under a bookshelf in an office. The bin was filled with hard drives. The hard drives had tamper-proof evidence tape on them when the FBI found them. So hard drives in the safe. Bin, first floor office, under a bookshelf, hard drives. On those hard drives, tamper-proof evidence tape from the FBI. This is what McGuire testified to today. According to Joseph Ricari, a Florida detective who executed a search warrant on Epstein's Palm Beach home as part of an investigation in 2005, the hard drives there had gone missing shortly before the officers entered the home at the time. Epstein later pleaded guilty uh, in that particular case. Riccari told the Miami Herald uh, Julie K. Brown, shout out Julie K. Six computer hard drives in the house had been hastily removed, leaving dangling wires attached to monitors in several areas of the house. It is unclear if the hard drives found in the office in New York are the same hard drives that he was talking about that were missing from Miami. Well, does it even fucking matter? Because if they are, that sucks. And if they aren't, then they're a total different set of hard drives that we don't even know about still sucks. I mean, think about this. If the, the, when they, this guy goes in to raid this house in Palm Beach 2005 and the hard drives are all gone, was that from another FBI raid that nobody seems to know about? You know, was that put somewhere? Did, did, you know, did somebody grab them? And then, they, you know, I, I don't know. Who knows? Is there a whole nother FBI raid on one of this guy's properties that somebody high up in the government, FBI, CIA, whatever, Bill Clinton himself, what the fuck do I know? These are all allegations. I'm spitballing here goes in, has somebody go into a evidence closet, take that shit back and hand it back to Epstein as a thank you for God knows what favor was done. All alleged, all speculation, just playing games and having fun here, kids. Just throwing some ideas around. I'm not, uh, I'm not saying anything. I'm not alleging anything. I'm playing uh, devil's advocate. He said, she said, wondering out loud games. They wind up going back to Epstein. Now Epstein just has them. Evidence logged at some point. God knows, but you know. Now they're back in his house with FBI evidence tape on them. I mean, you have to think about what kind of a crazy, insane lifestyle this guy was living where he had FBI tamper-proof evidence tape on hard drive then he just like, oh, I uh, stick these under the, in the uh, stick these under the bookshelf in the office. What? 
What? What is going on? What is going on? Before she stepped down from the witness stand uh, Monday afternoon, McGuire testified she didn't know why some were already marked as evidence. I mean, come on. Again, I like a good old conspiracy theory. I ain't the big, I'm no Alex Jones. Uh, you know, I like a good old conspiracy theory like the next. They tend to be very, very entertaining. But this part of this story just leaves me flabbergasted. I mean, the fact that there is not a massive investigation into this, the sweetheart deal from Acosta, I mean, just going for the, the Prince Andrew relationship, Bill Clinton on the plane, the fact that, that, how are they? I mean, look, finally, it's a civil matter between Virginia Jeffrey and Prince Andrew, but finally this guy is being served with a subpoena and he's going to have to appear in court, testify, do something, Prince Andrew. Nothing for Bill Clinton, nothing. This story pops today. There was evidence. There was FBI evidence tape laden hard drives just tucked away under a under a bookshelf in the office. Nothing. Is this is this? I mean, you're gonna have to help me out and check here because I don't watch uh, CNN and I don't watch Fox News or Newsmax or MSNBC or any of those other shit shows. Uh or your local six o'clock news, or your national CBS, NBC, ABC news stories who, who do lovely work, PBS NewsHour. I didn't catch anything today. But was this not the lead fucking story? Was this not the most important? I looked around. What are the other things that happened today? Uh, Chris Cuomo got fired. Big, big whoop. Big whoop. Uh, Kamala Harris staffer says he's happy. That's the big viral thing on Twitter today. Okay. All right. Jesse Smollett took the stand and said he it wasn't a hoax. Okay. Fine. Now, this is not the lead story on all the news channels or the biggest thing trending on Twitter is beyond me. I mean, beyond me. And forget the forget that, but also the hard drives from the safe that were taken and then given back. The ones missing from my like I mean and I never forgot this, by the way, because we talked about this a lot. And again, we brought it up when Alessi brought it up in his testimony last week. We didn't forget those hard drives. Where are those hard drives? I'm sure they're going to resurface and come back around at some point. And here they are today. And it's, oh, yeah, they found it in his house with FBI evidence tape already attached. What? What? If you're on the edge of your seat, you're thoroughly annoyed. And you're like, where is this going? Prosecutors at the end of the day today indicated that they were going to present another witness in this case with knowledge of the hard drives later on in the trial. That's the little glimmer of hope that we're sticking to right now that's going to keep us going throughout the rest of this. That is an unbelievable little antidote to leave you off with. want to thank our sponsors, Jumpstart Coffee Company. Again, grab some dry roast blend for you here, dark roast. They got the medium roast, the espresso blend, the decaf blend. 
You'll be supporting the podcast. If you buy this, you'll be supporting the Navy SEALs because 50%, 50% of Jumpstart Coffee Company's profits go to the Navy SEAL Foundation. That is huge. And I can save you 15% right now when you use the promo code AOA15. Again, they make a great gift item for Secret Santa, Yankee Swap, whatever you're going to get at work. $12 a bag. It is the best coffee you are ever going to have. I guarantee that. I guarantee that. It is amazing coffee. You can get a couple of these with the promo code. And it gets you right under that $20 limit. Most Secret Santas tend to be. Some of them are $25. It's a great deal. If you have some employees that you want to buy for, this is high-end, nice packaging, great flavor. Then you tell your employees, hey, everybody, I hope you enjoy the coffee. Oh, and by the way, your little gift, helping support the Navy SEAL Foundation on top of that. It's going to make everybody who gets this gift feel a lot better about cracking it open and trying it themselves. It's just a great thing to do for the holidays. And on top of that, if you love the coffee, you can buy some more. You could do there, subscribe and save. Where if you say, hey, I go through uh, one or two of these jump starts a month, they'll bring two to your house every single month. They'll just keep shipping it to you on the same date so that you're subscribed and you never have to worry about having fresh, delicious coffee. That helps the Navy SEAL Foundation in your home. It's a great deal. Save 15%. Use the promo code only when you purchase with the link in the description for this episode or by clicking on the banner at the homepage of anthonyonair.com. That promo code, by the way, for those listening and not watching, AOA15, that's AOA15. Thank you guys so much. We are back again. Don't forget, subscribe to the podcast because every single day of the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, we are recapping the day's events and not just like, here's two and a half minutes of what happened. We just did practically an hour on what happened. I thought it was warranted with all this hard drive business. This is insane. We'll keep you updated. I'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks so much for watching, for subscribing, for liking, and for sharing. Appreciate it.